Welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast. No, you've not started listening to the wrong podcast. Cami Black is on holiday. So I am Lee Calvert, usually of the Blood and Mud podcast, but I've done a sort of Sam Hidalgo Klein-esque late-season loan move to host this podcast in Cammy's absence. Joining me is Rory Baldwin. Good evening, Rory. Hello, how are you? Not too bad at all. It should be an adventure, this, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be, um, yeah, it's just... Uh... It'll be a bit strange for strange for Cammy. He'll be like coming. He'll be coming back from a from a shift at work, and you'll find that someone's having a house party in his house. <laughs> uh, we meant we were meant to have John Anderson with us. Yeah, but he's done his very own sort of. I'm not going to be here, hasn't he? Yeah, he's done a crap call off. He's uh, he's playing tennis. I think that is a crap call off. Fair play. Yeah, um, I'm doubly upset because he completely ruined my plan to do a gladiator referee off gladiators joke. Yeah. which I'm sure has been done before, but that's never stopped me before either. No, so. I don't, yeah, I don't know if we have, actually. Oh, damn, even more so. Uh, Cammy's in Centre Parks, I believe. Yep. So, and that, uh, I actually think maybe we've probably missed missed the chance to do like some sort of Centre Dan Parks feature. Oh, that would have been beautiful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Instead, I, I assume Cammy's had to sell one of his own kidney so he can go mountain biking with middle-class people because that's usually what Centre Parks sets you back, isn't it? Yeah, well, I said he's bought a new mixer for doing the podcast, so he must have sold both kidneys. He must be all his ACAS money. Yeah. And believe me, I know I know what ACAS money is, because, and it's not, just to reassure everybody. <laughs> yeah. the, the idea that you get rich on ACAS is, a, is, is a, a misnomer. Right, so this is the Scottish Rugby Podcast, which is not the only Scottish Rugby Podcast hosted by an Englishman, but the only one hosted by an Englishman from an acceptable part of England. Apologies, Jack. I've been told to say that. Uh Okay, so let's get into to the run of things. Um, I, I believe, Rory, that you normally ask a, a question of new people on the pod. Yeah, seeing as, seeing as this is your first first time on the pod, um, we would like to ask you, if you were selected for the Barbarians, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is, is pretty likely, um, which socks would you wear and why? Okie doke. So this is normally based on clubs you've played for or clubs you like, or does it not matter? Yeah, to it's, me well, to... it's usually it's usually clubs you've played for. Most people go for you know school clubs or yeah, you know, schools or club. Okie doke. Well, the club I played rugby for the longest time was Cardiff High School Old Boys in Cardiff. Uh, they're also known as Cardiff Harlequins, confusingly, and they keep switching names backwards and forwards depending on who's. I don't know. I don't know why they do it, but they keep doing it. So. It would be Cardiff High School Opals. They play in a Harlequin kit. It was uh, red, blue, and grey. And black, I think. I've, got, I've, I've forgotten what it is now. Um, so that's who. That's the socks I would have, and the socks were navy blue. Although, of course, I usually used to bring my own socks because trying to find a matching pair of socks in the big pile of kit in the middle was always a problem. Is that the same <laughs> in every in every rugby club everywhere? I think it probably is, isn't it? I'd imagine so, yeah. And uh, if you got in too late, you had it. You could never find. There was only like size triple XL shorts or yeah, minus XXS socks and yeah, shorts. Yeah. But yeah, so Cardiff High School old boys. It was to pick a club. I, I often say I don't. I don't have a rugby union club that I support. I was going to go that way. So I'd have to. I'd have to wear Lee Rugby League socks. Well, yeah, it, I mean, the, the Barbarians are an open organisation. They sure. are an open organisation these days. So yeah, that's me. We normally start with some crap call-offs, people who've, who've, who've done a bit of a crap call-off. We've already mentioned John's done one of his own with tennis. I don't think I can top that one. I mean, I suppose you could say Cammy going to Centre Parks is the, that is is the pretty crap as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you are going to go on holiday, miss, miss your, you know, this job of work to go on holiday, I think you should at least go somewhere decent. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming it's the one on the borders, is it? The one that's sort of in the Lake District. I'm not, I couldn't, couldn't tell you. You see, I've looked at these places and then nearly burst into tears when I saw how much they cost and never bothered going. Yeah, it's uh, it's inside the forest, I think, so I guess it doesn't really matter where you are. It doesn't really matter where you are, does it? And everywhere you go is the same. It's like a sort of a really grand McDonald's. You get the same offering wherever you go. Um, So there you go. It's a crap call. So I've got one. Um, When I was playing once, a second row of hours called off because he said he couldn't play because his rabbit was dead. (laughs) Now, the weird thing for me was I thought, well... I'm a bit baffled because I had rabbits and stuff, but they kind of lived outside in a hutch and they were just like a bit of a nuisance in the back garden, really. And I, so I, I, I really couldn't understand it, but it was later when I was told that this was a rabbit that lived in the house. Have you come across that before? A house rabbit? Yeah. Are they, is, that, mm. is that a thing that... No, I, I mean, I've, I've seen people have ra- let the rabbits inside, but yeah, I thought they lived in a hutch outside. But no, this was apparently a house rabbit, like a bit like a dog or a cat, I suppose. And I suppose it's 
Is it the same as a dog and cat? It didn't seem so in my head. So obviously, <laughs> so apparently his wife was completely distraught by this rabbit dying, which in a way is very sad, but in, at the same time quite pathetic. And I was, I was a bit like, you really can't miss a rugby game because your rabbit's died. Mm. Death in the family. Exactly, yeah, but he wasn't having any of it and he didn't come in. And I'm particularly upset because I had to play second row that day. And as anyone who knows <laughs> who's played second row, it's absolutely awful. So, Especially if you, yes, if you're not built like a second row. No, I was playing blindside then. And so I was kind of near to it, but I was like, well, I'm not being lifted in the line out, not a chance. And it was one of those classic situations. I've not played second row much. What do I do? And he said, put your head in there and push. Okay, I'll yeah. do that. Yeah, that happened to me in school as well, just because I was the the second tallest person in the team <laughs> at 5'11". It was, there were, we struggled for numbers. I wonder how many professional second rowers that you can think about sometimes and think, I reckon they've only got that job because the second tallest in the team, judging by the <laughs> way they play every single week. Yeah. Um, Glasgow have signed a few. <laughs> we'll come on to that later on. We talk yeah. about some uh, Glasgow as well. So let's start off with some news then. What news have we got from the world? Obviously, we tend to cover, I understand, Scottish rugby news on here, not the general stuff that I've already banged on about this week. So... What have we got? Yeah, probably the uh, big news of the week was that the summer tests were going to be shown on telly, which is always a, a good start. Usually we go into the, the kind of week before the actual, you know, the, the summer summer tour games happen without knowing if we're going to be able to see them. And then they announced that they're live streamed from Fiji at three in the morning or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all, all four, four of our games um, pre-World Cup are going to be on Premier Sport, who are also showing the, the Pro 14 at the moment. Um, and then they're actually going to broadcast them on their free sports channel, sort of delayed as live, I think, um, which is, is quite good. It means that people get, to, people get to see them. So I guess that's probably the, that's probably the most um, interesting news. There were some retirements in this week. Uh, before we get on to that, remind me of who Scotland are playing this summer, because I can't remember. Uh, we've got two, two against France and two against Georgia. Um, right. So they're, they're playing... Two, two home, um, and then one, France, is they're playing in Nice and Georgia and Tbilisi to, I think, something to do with, they want to test themselves in the, the temperature, although it won't be quite as humid as Japan, I don't think. Yeah, is it a good idea to put your forwards up against a Georgian pack that, that close to the World Cup? Twice. Twice, yeah. Do you fancy getting <laughs> smashed to pieces a few months out of a World Cup? I'm not sure. Um, we'll see what happens, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, he's still got a few. He's still got a few guys he's going to want to try. Like um, we still haven't seen Blade Thompson of uh, Scarlets hmm. in, a, in a to see if he's a possible, you know, a bolter for the squad, maybe. Um, so there, there's probably one or two guys that will play in those games that realistically don't. He might just be tying them down for the future and may not have much of a chance of going. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Um, certainly, you've been wanting like get the likes of. Richie Gray just back to fitness and get him injured again or or lose, you know, some of the other guys. So the good news is you'll be able to see your front row getting marmalised on a delay free-to-air, which, yeah. which is always nice, isn't it? Yeah. Although, actually, to be fair, the Scottish front row, um, I'm sure we'll talk about, we'll talk about Glasgow later, is, is, is quite the advancement on what it was, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely, it definitely has been. Um, that probably brings us on reasonably well to the some of the retirements mm. this week um not Tim Vister obviously he was a winger but um they also Murray Lowe and Kyle Trainer who um maybe names that you that you've uh, not heard in a while mm. um where they re- announced that they were retiring Murray Lowe's going off to um to do something in property and I don't know what what Kyle's doing but yeah I mean I would, I would say probably along with Visser they were kind of symbols of a time when you know the depth wasn't wasn't that great for mm. Scott. Um, I mean, he's been at Exeter for five years, Morello. I can't, I'd lost yeah. track of where he was. Has, has he has he been getting yeah. any appearances down there? I think he's. I mean, he, when he first went, he was he was a a bit of a fixture in the first team. But I think in recent seasons, he's he's probably well. I mean, he's getting older. He's he's probably dropped off the pace a bit. Um, he's not started as many, but they they put some. I was reading the sort of extra press release, kind of announcing his retirement, and he had quite quite a few tries for a prop. Mm. Um, over the course of his career there but yeah he's been he's been there for a, for a while um Kyle Trainer had a you know he when he left Edinburgh I think probably early Solomon's time or or, or thereabouts um and he had a, a route into the I guess the English championship and stuff but he ended up uh, ended up at Leicester Tigers I think um 
so he, he's retiring. Um, but I mean, the fact that these guys have actually done okay in the Premiership once given a chance maybe reflects more on the standards of coaching in Scotland at the time than than maybe the standards of yeah, that's a good them, point actually, them, isn't them it? Yeah. Guys. yeah. Um, and obviously Tim Visser was a uh, you know Scotland couldn't buy a try for long enough, so he was a huge kind of <laughs> bonus to come in and just be able to make a try out of nothing. Um, we're a little bit better at making tries out of something these days, but uh, yeah, he was obviously uh, maybe he was kind of. At the, at the forefront of the this the mi- minor Scottish Renaissance that we seem to be experiencing in terms of suddenly um, having some some threats out wide. It's interesting to look at it, isn't it? That I suppose it's nice to look at it in one way that people who were at the forefront of the Renaissance in Scotland are now retiring. Yeah, which yeah, shows you that it's 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 been a long time coming, but it's kind of at least it's it's not been a flash in the pan and it's not been embedded either, and so and it's been embedded yeah. as well. I mean, I'd say yeah, it's 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 slow, and obviously there's still a long way to go. But um, yeah, it it is at least um, we've had the retirements of maybe the, the generation before then. The guys like um, I'm probably going to drop some names here that the, the commenters all say, "Why are you picking on him?" But guys like <laughs> Phil Godman, Dan Parks, you know, guys. And I mean, Nick how anybody could understand why you'd pick on Phil Godman is a mystery yeah. to me. But there you go. Um, I'm sure he's a big fan of the pod. Um, <laughs> Nick Nick, uh, Nick DeLuca is possibly another one. I mean, he came in for probably more criticism than than was warranted. He just, I don't think he he ever really really managed um, sort of managed to to get the, the kind of confidence at international level that he had at club game. But certainly, he was a big part of a lot of Visser's Visser's tries and the success that Edinburgh had kind of during that time when they got to the European um, to the European knockout stages the, the first time round. There were names I was looking because we do some on on the Blood and Mud podcast. We do some kind of retro stuff sometimes, and uh, on the Patreon. And there were names you suddenly look at stuff and the names you can't you hadn't remembered till you read them again. People like David McCalman, yeah, and people um, like that. You know, there was yeah, there's uh, Rob Dewey, yes, a good one. We bring him up from time to time. Um, yeah, there's 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 plenty going back because that's the thing when you go back and read. Um, you know, I can go back and read early posts on the website mm. and uh, looking at who was playing for the team in 2007. And, yeah, you, uh, guys you've forgotten about. <laughs> I suppose it's good for you because you've got a digital record. So if you're ever feeling blue after a result that's not gone quite your way, you can just look yeah. back to those reports from that time, can't you? And go, yeah. well, you can't forget it's, how far we've come, you know. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't all bad. No, indeed, yeah. Um, any more news? Um not really. The Pro 14 Dream Team announcements are, are out. Um, Edinburgh, Glasgow, got a good good number of guys in there. Um, you can go and you can find out who's on. I think they seem to be doing they're doing it differently. Rather than just giving us a team, they're now going to give us a squad of 45 and then pick them live on air or something. But that probably means that they've been predetermined and they're just going to talk talk about it. Also available on Premier Sports, I believe. That's where you get that. All right. Okay. Big viewing numbers, no doubt. Yeah, well, I mean, they must be doing all right if they can afford to to buy all the the bits that they're they're hoovering up. I mean, they seem to be. Yeah, it's, it's a, a strange old quandary, rugby. isn't it? Because they won't say, as we know, because Jonathan Jiffy Davis keeps going mental, wanting to know what the numbers are. So they don't, and it's it's hard to know. They say they've got it's done better than they thought for Premier Sport, but I suppose the, the interesting question with that is, well, what was your baseline then exactly? Because yeah. well, it was a terrible baseline. I'm doing a bit better, isn't? Isn't too much, and yet they do seem to be investing money. But it seems that a lot of these, like BT, lost money for years, didn't they? Because you've got to kind of speculate yeah. to get the to get the money it's, in. It's one of these things, like I guess, like Netflix or HBO or whatever. Yeah, they have the model. They're they're interested in the subscriptions, so they kind of mm. once they've got you for a bit, they don't really they don't really care if you watch it or not. <laughs> they get if you get their yeah, money. Quite, yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the news. Thank you very much. What else are we going to cover? Then? So we got, let's talk about. Obviously, we've got the final coming up next week. But before we get to that, let's talk about how Glasgow got to that final, which was with a quite comprehensive thumping of Ulster. Yeah, I didn't didn't see that one coming. To be honest, um, I thought that Glasgow would win it, uh, given that they'd beaten them, you know, a few weeks before, quite yes. quite quite easily. But I didn't think. I mean, Ulster have been Ulster have been pretty impressive in patches this season. Um, Dan McFarland has done a great job and obviously he knows the Glasgow players as well. So I thought I've, I expected a little, little bit more uh, from them to yeah, be honest. Ulster looked a little bit limited the week before, didn't they? And they did seem to be a bit like Munster. They seem to be spluttering out a little bit, but as you said, yeah. even so I didn't expect them to splutter quite to 
to this level. And I suppose the question is how much of it was them spluttering and how much of it was Glasgow having one of those days we know they can have? Yeah. Um, the good thing is that since they got humped by Saracens, they seem to be having those those good days quite sort of consistently. I mean, I, I know that's only mm. two or three in a, two, three in a, in a row back to back, but um, we're we're seeing from them the sort of thing that people would, would kind of the criticisms that would be laid at them were that they were too weak up front, or if you know if they came up against a a team like a Munster or a Saracens, you you could push them around pretty easily. Um, and we're starting to see that from from that pack, um, a little bit less evidence of that. Um, they're kind of sticking up for themselves, if you like. Uh, I think yeah. some of that's probably down to uh, down to the fact that he keeps picking Rob Harley either in the second row or the the back row. He's just one of these guys that's kind of you know one of these ultimate club pro kind of. I love kind of Rob Harley. Bit. Yeah, absolutely love him. He's he's kind of just that brilliant nuggety strong slightly awful person yeah. in a rugby sense yeah. uh, that, that you really, really want in your team. I don't. I think he's been a bit, like you said, he's been a bit found out when he's put the, the uh, international shirt on. Not that he's had terrible games, he's just, it's just that making that jump. That extra level, yeah. Yeah, but he certainly, uh, as you said, he's brought some some grunt into, into Glasgow. He scored at the weekend, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think he did that in the, uh, in the last semi-final against Ulster, um, when the, or maybe it was the final. Um, when they won, when the, the year they won it, um, they were, I was because they showed some highlights and I thought, oh, he scored again. But yeah, he, I, Rob's um, yeah the biggest ginger to make a nuisance of himself at the ruck since uh, Tormen Giants been. Well, he um, just uh, yeah, but it's interesting that he's getting the nod over Ryan Wilson as well, um, or he did at least uh, in the uh, in the semi final. Mm. Um, Do you think that's a permanent kind of change, or is it a bit like Sexton? You know, they kind of you know you're going to play in the final, so we're not going to have you here for now. Yeah, but I mean, having followed Scottish rugby for long enough, I would I would think it, you'd you'd have to be really confident to be confident enough to rest your big players in the semi final. Hmm. Um, you know, we can. That's really a luxury that that Scottish teams can afford. So um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think there's maybe an issue with kind of second row cover as well. Um, I don't. There wasn't a second row. Um, there wasn't a second row on the bench. I don't think. For let me just yeah. Um, so they had Ryan Wilson on the bench and mm. Tom Gordon, the the young sort of Kiwi Scotland under twenty, um, who's had a great couple of games. But you know those are like his first two professional professional games. You know all but, um, and he's uh, he's looking like he might appear in the final as well but yeah so the, uh, Harley's probably in there a second row cover if there's a an injury to Gray or Cummings so he's kind of I guess he's versatile like that and maybe that's why Wilson's on the bench I'm uh, not, not sure but um, it'll be interesting to see if he if he sticks with that team for the final or if he um, there's I mean there's not well, it's much. quite a result wasn't it it's hard to think it's hard to, it's a, it's yeah. a hard thing to <laughs> It's it'd be interesting to break apart because it was like seven tries and there's there's yeah. interesting the, the scoring seven tries and the scoring seven tries isn't there and yeah. they and they really did do the the latter if you can really you know if people can sense the difference I'm trying to make there they some yeah. of the tries were were blinding yeah I mean it was um it, it was yeah it was good stuff I mean it, we we saw the the Horn Brothers kind of chip kick thing which is they've tried a few a few times. Um, and you know that that starts that always seems to work late on in games. Mm. Um, it's a good a good combo to to have them coming off the bench. But yeah, I mean, it, what was pleasing for me was to see Tommy Seymour back in back in form. Um, yeah, that finish was absolutely glorious, wasn't it, for the try he, that he put he, away? Yeah, he did some really good stuff. And did he get battered on the head though? He looked a bit dazed when he when he stood up after his as people were celebrating. He looked a bit was he yeah. dazed or just resigned? You know, yeah, I've, I've just done a good job, sort of thing. Yeah. Finally, people stop uh, stop saying I'm on a post lions hangover. <laughs> yes, uh, it's not been long. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, it's yeah, good good to see good to see that from him, and uh, also good to see. I guess it's probably Hoggy coming um, coming full full circle from uh, you know his as you know um, he talked about it in the, the papers this week when you know a few years ago when he was rumored that he might go to Ulster and he, he said himself that his kind of head was in two places he was thinking about thinking about making that move so Townsend dropped him for the for the final I think it was the first final that they didn't win god yeah I'd forgotten about that yeah um and it 
you know, he, he, he said, you know, he used to be the guy that, that would try and force things and, and be that spark and kind of create the, create the magic. And for a while, I mean, certainly at Scotland level, he's kind of the guy that it was like Scotland back when Chris Patterson was the kind of creative spark and he would mm. struggle to try and create things from fullback. Um, but then on, on the weekend there to see Hogg kind of make a break down the down the sort of wide channel and and you thought mm, he might back himself here and go but actually he didn't he took the safer option and passed um passed out to his winger at who scored it um you know old hoggy probably or young young rash hoggy wouldn't have uh, probably wouldn't have wouldn't have done that but um the hoggy hoggy today he's a lot more selfless as a, a player um both for for Glasgow and Scotland I think that was pace try was it when he the angle he picked and he appeared sort of was it in between sort of twelve and thirteen when he suddenly ran into that gap, lovely. Yeah, I think that was I think that was one of one was of Peter Horn's try. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you. I, I can't don't. remember now, but it was a wonderful. It was an absolutely wonderful line, and 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 that indication, like you say, that for all it, if you can, you know, you've been frustrated with him in the past. He is one of the few players who does that consistently. Yeah, no, he does now. He's. Um, He's one of those guys that you you sort of see him getting the ball and you think right he's he's he could do something and it probably won't be awful, um, yes. which, which has been a been a while. I mean, it's interesting that actually at, at um, international level, one of the guys that I, that I kind of feel that about is Hugh Jones, but he's not getting a look in for Glasgow at the moment, really. Yeah, so he's not injured, is he? He's just not getting picked. No, he's just not getting picked. He's picking. He's got Johnson and he's got Kyle Stain, who's. Um, whose dad was Nelson Mandela's mm. bodyguard mm. and who was in the seven squad and was just kind of brought in as a, as cover. And, um, Dave Rennie obviously likes what, what he sees. Um, I think he was brought in as cover on the wing cause DTH van der Berber hadn't, hadn't recovered from his, uh, his injury in time for the kind of the, the knockout stages, but he's been given his chance and he's, uh, he's taken it really well. Um, he can play wing, he can play 13. So, They've been using him as a thirteen with Sam Johnson. Um, Nick Grigg is injured, so he he'd possibly come into contention as well because Rennie's kind of mm. favoured him over Jones. Um, I mean, it's interesting. There's quite a few people thinking maybe Jones should should go go somewhere else. He, maybe... he was rumoured to do last year when he'd had that yeah. really good year. It was like, oh, can Glasgow possibly keep hold of him? And he's yeah. had this sort of slightly difficult second album of a season, hasn't he? Yeah, and and, and, and just... then all of a sudden he's not even in the team, and he might be leaving for entirely different reasons. Yeah, but I mean, he he did actually. He signed a new signed a new deal oh. last, you know, it's that just when everyone thought he was. I think it was Leicester he was linked with mm-hmm. a, a wee bit. Um, but yeah, but he re-signed a deal with Glasgow, so it'd be interesting to see how he goes, sort of during the summer because we've not seen that much of him. We don't really know what his form is. I mean, picking centres for Scotland is almost as hard as as Glasgow because I mean, we've, there's a whole bunch of them that we've no real idea about their form or fitness. So actually, Johnson and Stain, if they put in a blinder in the um, in the final, could you know could be the could be the pair going into the summer. The embarrassment of centres that Scotland have had since about 2012, 13 yeah. is well, is exactly that an embarrassment? It's certainly, embarrassment to England. They couldn't find any. Speaking mm. from my point of view, but when you think about what's been coming through in the past, yeah, five or six years, I would say, yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? And when you've got a situation where I suppose two clubs will do this, that you've got somebody like Jones who can't even get into a squad at the club. Yeah. It says, and all these people just keep coming through. It's yeah, it's an incredible test. Well, you know, is it luck? Is it a testament to development? It's probably a bit of both, I suppose. I think it's, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit. I mean, certainly with the younger guys coming through, uh, like Stafford McDowell at Glasgow, that's probably a testament to the development. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's that slightly older generation, the... Um, the Matt Scotts, Mark Bennett. Yeah, Mark Bennett of this world, yeah. Alex Dunbar and Duncan Taylor, sort of guys who, you know, could 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 all be quite capable of playing for Scotland at World Cup, but um they're not all going to be gonna no, be going. Of course not. Um, and Nick Grigg seems to be a favourite, although he's not really done done that well at um at international level. But then there's a few others like Chris Harris, he's another one that seems to be a Townsend favourite. So there, yeah, there, there's loads that you could could choose. Um, and I mean, even just picking, I don't know, four, four or so to to go into a, a World Cup squad of 31 is going to be is going to be bloody tricky. Um, 
Stain being able to cover wing gives him a bit of an advantage. I mean, Jones has played some wing, Taylor's played some fullback. Um, so they're probably more likely than, say, Scott or Bennett, who are pretty much centres. Um, and as, I don't even know if Scott or Bennett are in the actual uh, actual training squad at the moment. I'd have to check that. I know you did. Um, I know you did an episode on the training squad a couple of weeks ago, so I won't go down that road too far. But uh, interesting to have a conversation. Anyway, um, so yeah, a, a remarkable result. Adam Hastings fully fizzing and popping again. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's he's a he's a great young player, um, and I'm I'm glad that he was because he had a wee blip just before. I guess it well it was just it was probably just before the the. Uh, Six Nations, so it was kind of after November where he, I think he'd got maybe his he'd got his first caps in the summer and he, he'd maybe had a few few games, but wasn't amazing in November. Um, and then his Glasgow form kind of dipped really quite badly around December, and there were lots of people thinking, "Oh, God, Glasgow need to sign a ten for next season and all, things like that." And then Townsend just seemed to ignore all that and just picked him in the Six Nations, and he actually played a couple of games pretty well. And since then, I think that was maybe just the, the kind of vote of confidence he needed. Um, he's uh, yeah, he's he looks like he's going to in a you know couple of years he'll be he'll be right up there. Absolutely, and Ali Price played remarkably well. Yeah, I, he, he him and Seymour seeing them back to fitness, you know, as a kind of as a Scotland neutral, um, strictly speaking, between the, the pro teams, hmm. um, those two coming back to form gives me uh, gives me kind of great great pleasure because actually. I'd be happy if you know if the scrum half group that they take to the to the World Cup was Laidlaw, Horn, or Price. I'd be happy with any of them starting. Really, um, obviously, Laid, um, Horn and Price kind of fit super super fast rugby a little bit better than than Greek. But um, you know, he well, has Greek his, going, he has, going, you know, yeah, he's, he's exactly. Guy. He he has he, he has his other uh, his other things. He's had a decent but, season at Claremont as well, actually. Yeah, it seems like it. And um. I suppose when you see a performance like that from Price, as, as you say, as a Scot- as a Scotland fan, and I know this is a club game, you've got to think about it nationally as well. Are you kind of are you delighted to, or is, there, is how much of it is a hint of frustration that it can't be that, that the consistency is an issue? Yeah, I mean, I think the consistency has been an issue, but again, I, it, I think it was probably it was sort of, well, I think in Ali's case, he it was it was a it was a mental thing and a fitness thing. I mean, you you know. Even his coach was coming out and saying he was a bit sort of he put on a bit of beef. Um, <laughs> I think last 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 year at some point, and yeah, and his form had, had dropped off. And I think Horn had overtaken him for Glasgow. So actually, to see him come back and get that confidence, where now he's you know he's keeping Horn on the bench, who's another kind of young live wire player that that's come through and and is you know seriously challenging for the national side too. Um, I think it. It, it's good as long as he can keep that keep that in him. And we saw flashes of it in like the Calcutta Cup and some of the games in the Six Nations of of the kind of Ali Price of old. Um, but there's there's I think I guess there's probably that suspicion that Greg's a safe pair of hands hmm. at nine. And if you know if Price keeps this form going, then it almost makes the argument to say, well, actually, we should have a nine who can play a, a kind of higher tempo game and and uh, pick pick one of these guys because they're both capable. I I worry. I would worry without Laidlaw on it, and it's kind of an obvious cliche thing to say, but I think it doesn't make it any less true. You you do worry about the leadership factor, don't you? Yeah, I mean, there's always there's always that um, that issue with with Scotland, and I mean, we've seen it with some with some of the Edinburgh games as well, where they their maybe their leadership group got uh, you know taken off in that game against Munster, and they, mm. they went went to pieces a bit in a game that they quite could could have won. Um, Scotland, are, I mean, they, I think all of the the kind of pro rugby in Scotland are very aware of this and they're trying to build bigger leadership groups. And that's the why they, you know, they announce who the vice captains are in the team, which I don't think any other country does or sort of um, hmm. international squads. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, England it's something do, that... Because our, our captain goes off after 55 minutes of every game <laughs> when he's fit. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting one, especially, you know, looking at the, going back to the Glasgow pack again. Um, they've got quite a lot of leaders that all play in the same position. So, I mean, um, Callum Gibbons, Ryan Wilson, Rob Harley, all kind of big leadership figures in that pack. But and you could just about fit them into the the same back row. But then you'd be you'd be missing out on the likes of um, 
you know, Matt, Matt Fagerson who's having a great season, or if you shunt them into the, you shunt Harley into the second row, then you've got to think about uh, likes of uh, Scott Cummings, who I think probably, you know, he he his first season was really good, but he, again, he's had, you know, what you said before, the difficult second second mm. album um, last year, and this year again, he's finally starting to show a bit of promise again, alongside uh, Johnny Gray, but I think they're quite similar sort of, they're quite similar players. Um, so from yeah, for me, the, the, the slight worry would be the uh, second row for Glasgow if they're going to do the same thing again and not not have a replacement. My guess is that yeah, Tim Swinson is injured at the moment, um, so there might not be too many other second rows that they would want to call on in a final. Um, in terms of, I mean, obviously speaking of replacements, it's probably the thing that fascinates me is the fact that obviously there's still no replacement, or I don't believe there's been, any, not that I've seen a replacement for Stuart Hogg announced. No, I mean, uh, last season when he's been injured, Rudy Jackson's played there a lot. Um, but yeah, that was... It's a bit of a drop-off, isn't it? Yeah, it's never never really, I think, I mean, he, he, he played some games really well and he played some games not so well. Um, but it it wasn't, yeah, he's obviously clearly, he's not up to, to Hoggy's level no. as a fullback. A few, very does. few are, to be fair to him. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, the other guys who would potentially cover Hogg are guys like Tommy Seymour, who you'd want playing on the wing. Um, it's or that weakening maybe, two positions problem, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we saw in the Six Nations, Adam Hastings can actually do a bit of a turn at fullback, but you you really want yeah, him same thing, running the it? attack. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Glasgow fans are probably a little bit frustrated again that there doesn't seem to be any big name signings. Edinburgh had that big, big day where they named six new signings in in one in one day, um, and Glasgow have you know they've they've slowly been tying up their their academy prospects and the the kind of the big names that are already in the squad for extensions to their deals. But there's still that I think they still have that that kind of uh, feeling that they they should be spending some money and getting a getting a few in. And I think fullback would probably be fullback would probably be a position they'd look to strengthen second row. I think. Probably as well. Um, well, fullback wise, they've missed out on Simon Hammersley. Yeah, he's gone to Sale, the greatest oh, well. fullback in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> That's an on-running joke we have on the other podcast. Sorry, but yeah, he's a, he actually is a very, very solid player. But it would have been a yeah. he's off to Sale. So I mean, interested Edinburgh Glasgow. I don't because I'm not that close to the to the economics of Scottish club rugby. If I'm honest, um, are Glasgow are Glasgow got more money than Edinburgh, or vice versa? Or are they about the same? Does it not matter? Um, I think, as far as I know, they're both on roughly the same. Um, but so you couldn't have a situation where Glasgow are going to Edinburgh or something and saying, "Is have some massive money for Darcy Graham or anything like that?" Yeah, um, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how it works in terms of when players get shuffled about between the two, because you know we had Henry Pergos last season. We've got Jamie Batty's going from Glasgow to Edinburgh next season. Um, it used to be, it used to kind of go one way, and now it seems to to go the go the other from way. what I saw in that uh, Munster quarterfinal, which I was at, you had quite a narrow escape with Henry Pergos if you're a Glasgow fan. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. He he was, uh, yeah, he he's a divisive, divisive figure at Glasgow. <laughs> but then you know the comments that we get about Pergos are largely the same ones that you get about Greg Laidlaw on day to day. If he has a bad game, it's too much box mm. kicking and everything's too slow. Although some of the Pergos stuff in that Munster game was you know yeah he took a long time um yes. when even your own fans are screaming at you to get home <laughs> um so yeah i uh yeah i'm not sh- not sure about the the budgets as far as i know they're roughly they're roughly equal um i'm i would right. guess that edinburgh may be able to make more use of theirs because they don't have as much kind of stadium stuff but i mean glasgow's stadium is a kind of share with the glasgow city council mm. so I'm I'm not sure how, but as far as I, as far as I've known, their budgets are roughly the same. But it tends to go in cycles. So um, there was a lot of the big names for Glasgow. I think were up on contracts last year. So I guess extending Hog by a year, signing up Hugh Jones again, Johnny Gray, guys like Ad, Adam Hastings, George Horn suddenly get caps and their salary demands would go up. You'd imagine. Um, I think Xander Fagerson was, was signed up recently as well. So the last season they had a, had to spend a lot of money just keeping their keeping their the kind of the top players in their squad together. Whereas um, I guess Edinburgh Richard Cockrell came in and swept a whole bunch of players out, so he had a bit more money to to splash. But um, yeah, as far as far as I know, they're they're roughly roughly equal. Um, 
I think there was a perception that they'd prop one team up till they were successful, and they're they're propping up Edinburgh because to try and because Glasgow have had their success, and Glasgow think that they're being neglected. But I'm pretty sure that they're both about about the same. <laughs> so that was a kind of very loose review of the game from last weekend. Um, I suppose we should talk about the game that's coming up this weekend. Yeah. Um, Glasgow versus Leinster, and of course in Glasgow at Celtic Park. Is yeah, there any be. word on ticket sales? Um, there was news today that I think they said about two two thirds, which would be uh, I mean it holds sixty thousand I think, so that That's would be a about good about, effort, isn't it? That'd be about forty thousand, which I think would make it the highest attended club uh, club rugby game in in Scotland because I think the previous record was sort of thirty thousand odd for um, for a, a Champions Cup quarter. Um, so yeah, that would be uh, that that should be good, and I think the tickets will keep keep selling. Um, the the they're pretty cheap. There were quite a lot of deals on the go. So, um, will there be more Leinster fans than Glasgow fans? That's this, not a loaded question. I'm generally no. This to... this for me is uh, is always certainly this this was a worry for me with the in the the Edinburgh Munster mm. quarterfinal because we know that you know the Munster fans love to travel, um, and it sounded it certainly sounded like there were quite a lot of Munster fans at Murrayfield that day. It did. I was I, I was sat but I was sat amongst a lot of Munster fans, so I was yeah. probably I was you know getting a bit of a skewed sound, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm not too sure how how much uh, you know. I guess Leinster's fans probably wear dark blue, which is harder to spot in a, in a crowd <laughs> shot than bright red. But uh, yeah, I think. I mean, the I guess the bonus that that we have with the way the game is structured in Scotland is that there will be a lot of kind of Scotland fans or Edinburgh fans who will travel through to support Glasgow um, because it's. You know, yes. when when one of our teams gets to to a game like this, then it's kind of a thing for all all the rugby fans in the country will kind of get behind it. Um, we haven't quite, the, you know, there is an intercity rivalry, but um, people are usually willing to look beyond that after the after the season season's over. So I would like to say that Glasgow will definitely have the home support, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of um, a lot of Leinster fans. I think that there, yeah, there may be more Leinster fans than Glasgow fans, but I think there'll be more people overall supporting Glasgow who be, could be fans of. Of all sorts of, all sorts of teams, possibly not Celtic or Rangers. So we'll a damn good crowd will be in. So that that that'll that'll be good to see on the telly and good for the game actually. Yeah, it should be a it should be a good atmosphere. I mean, a lot of the um, a lot of the guys who played in the Scotland Sevens team uh, in the Commonwealth Games, uh, they had the Sevens there at Ibrox, um, and they said that was one of the best kind of. I think they managed to to fill that stadium. They said that was one of the best kind of atmospheres, and it was a similar kind of steep football. Mm football stadium um yeah when it's then, nice to see rugby in scotland penetrating into that i know it's only a building yeah but you know you you know when when i know it's not the same but when island rugby played at croke park you know that was only a building and it was a much bigger issue than what i'm talking about now and please don't think mm. i'm trying to conflate the two together and integrate no, no. them in the same way but you know what i'm saying buildings yeah. aren't just buildings sometimes when it comes to sports and i think there is something about celtic park having yeah, I mean, a, a good the, Glasgow rugby game in it. You know, it's, it's been really fortuitous. Well, and, yeah. and a reward to Glasgow to get there, but fortuitous that they're there for it to be the first chance of doing it. Yeah, they said. Um, I mean, this, there were some guys talking about it earlier on the on Twitter, and they were talking um, talking about the, the fact that it was a you know it was a it wasn't just a, a risk by the SRU. It was you know it was a joint bid with with Celtic. Yeah, they, they were you know they were kind of kind of open open to that idea. Um, it was interesting. Now, where did I see it? Which, as a rugby league fan, you'll appreciate this. But there was actually some. It was a, an article. Somebody. It was over on the, the offside line, which I don't know if you've seen, but is a is a good. Um, a good I know uh, of it, but website I'm not, I'm for not rugby in Scotland. This, yeah. I'll try. I'll try and find it for the end. There's some okay. some factoid to do with uh, rugby league being played at. I think at Celtic Park, possibly in the past. All right. I'll, I'll, I don't know that time. one. But no. Okay. So. Let's so moving aside from buildings and tickets and things, yeah. let's talk about the actual game itself. They've played each other once this season with Glasgow winning 24 39 in a yeah, mad game was, where Johnny Gray made 15,000 yeah, tackles. That was, that was the, the start of the the start of the kind of, of, of his um his little hot streak. Um, yeah, because in, in the other games, he only makes 13,000 tackles. You see, that's why yeah. that one stood out. I mean, yeah, it's. It's exactly what we've been, you know, clamouring out to see from from Johnny for, well, pretty much since he came onto the scene, sort of three three four years ago. Is is kind of is there a is there an angry angry young man hiding within the kind of mild mannered mild mannered accountant that just that 
obsessed with tackle numbers. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we finally started to, to see him. And fair play to Dave Rennie for bringing that out with him by dropping him, basically. Um, my friend was involved, my friend's friend, sorry, was involved in coaching junior rugby up there a few years ago. And my friend tells me that he told him, because my friend had said, what about Richie Gray when Richie Gray was coming through? And, I remember, mm. and he said, his friend did say to him, wait till you see his brother. Yeah. Because his brother was coming through a few years afterwards. And, and he said, wait till you see his brother. He's, he's you know, a remarkable player. And, you know, we're discovering that. Not saying that Richie's a bad player, but we're discovering that now, aren't we? Yeah, I think, I mean, when you read the articles, you know, he saw what, his, he saw what Richie went through in terms of how to be a professional and the kind of work that you had to put in. So he he was prepared for that almost a few years ahead of, of where Richie had been, you know, he was, he was right. Okay. So this is what I have to put into training and diet and mm. not going out on the lash and, you know, or at least not getting caught. So imagine um, if Richie had been a sort of Chris Wyatt figure or something, then yeah, it, it all could have gone so much different. It had all just been, it all just been gigantic boozers. Yeah. Okay. So I, fi- I find it, I find that uh, it was a century, almost a century ago. No, oh. uh, there's an article is actually a Celtic legend, Jim Craig, who, um, it was coming out in response to the, the Leo Cullen comments and just doing some PR. But uh, yeah, it was a rugby league international between the Kangaroos and a team representing Great Britain. And the crowd was around 3,000 and it was 17 all. What year was that? Um, I'm not sure. Sh- I'll see if I can find it. But he said it was, they were touring from Australia for six weeks. Oh, oh, it was, it was many moons ago, was it? Sorry. Yeah, many, many. They played 42 games on the tour. Right. So one of those sort of tours. <laughs> yeah. There's no point because you've got to sail for four months to get here. We might as well stay yeah. for a while, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that that will be the... That was the last time that rugby was played at, at Celtic Park. Park. God, yeah, that was a while ago, wasn't it? So anyway, yeah, testament to the success of it. So look, moving on to the game then. So we, yeah, yeah. we, we don't know much from that previous game, I don't think. Um, no. So looking at the key matchups then, Johnny Sexton, of course, dropped last weekend. Yeah. But I mean, I suppose dropped in inverted commas. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it, I think that's less like less like dropping Johnny Gray because you want to provoke a reaction. It's just they're wrapping him in cotton wool, aren't they, for the, the World Cup and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I would be, I'd be very surprised if Sexton doesn't play this one. Um, Devin Toner is injured, though. I saw that, I think. He's yeah, he is. He's sort of what? Well, his, his legs sort of bent under him. It looks. It looked really bad, but apparently he's out. But he's, he's not out as bad as it looked. Ah, okay. So he might. Yeah. So the the, come the, back, the, the human Oscar statuette will not be playing now. <laughs> uh, so uh, Fardy came in last week at lock when he went off because Fardy was covering both positions. Um, I'm not sure that'll be the same situation this week. It'll be interesting to see if it is, because playing against a Leinster team with Fardy and Van der Fleer. Yeah, I mean they've got some they've got some handy guys in in that well right the way right the way through the squad, um, and I think it'll be yeah the I think the matchup Sexton versus Hastings could be could be very interesting. Um, Hastings is is not really you know he's not afraid to to take the ball to the line, but he does have a he's maybe got a few more few more moves in his in his back pocket than than the Johnny Sexton loop play thing that they always that they always do um but yeah i think uh I th- i'm not not saying that he thinks he's better than sexton um, <laughs> yeah by, be careful be careful not 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 yet anyway but um on pure form based on last week he is yeah <laughs> but, yeah but i think in terms of playing a final in front of lots of people yeah with exactly. everything else I mean, that this, goes with it is a different is a different thing altogether these are the, these are the sort of games that uh that sexton kind of gets it he does get out of bed for as opposed to most of the rest of the season um so it'll be, yeah it'll be if nothing else i'm sure young adam will, will learn a few things um it will be it'll be interesting to see who Glasgow pick in the centres and and the second rows. Um, not having Devin Toner against them, maybe eases a little bit. But as you say, you know, Fardy comes in, he maybe makes them a bit more mobile. Um, so and he, yeah. has, and he has that real proper nous and horridness of the breakdown of the of a blind, international blind side in your second row as well. So it's a, yeah, uh, which is I mean that that kind of horribleness is is something that we we talk about Glasgow maybe missing a lot and. To be to be fair, the kind of the, the breakdown stuff as well, um, the kind of uh, 
the the Hamish Watson kind mm. of scavenger that Edinburgh have got loads of. Um, Glasgow haven't really haven't really got many apart from um, Chris Fusaro, who's not sort of who's injured at the moment. Um, Callum Gibbons is kind of, but he's another. He's kind of, I guess, a Kiwi six point five is maybe slightly better than him. You know, a, a <laughs> northern northern hemisphere six point five because they're they they tend to be more seven than six. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the the back row blend whether he whether he goes for Rob Harley and Ryan Wilson in the same team to just kind of annoy annoy Leinster to death. Um, not sure whether yeah whether Hugh Jones starts plays on the bench. Um, there's a few few decisions. I mean, I'm looking at the the kind of list of players who were injured for Glasgow that last weekend and there's not that many who you would think come in maybe um Siwa Halanuka Nuka as a replacement on the bench but Darcy Ray did okay um I guess there's there's maybe an argument that Ollie Kebble if he's fit I think he was just coming back for injury might start at at loose head but uh yeah I mean I think it's going to be it's going to be up one up front. I didn't actually see the Champions Cup final, but I, I did hear that it was basically Leinster and Saracens battering seven shades of hell out of each other for for most of it. Pretty much, and then Saracens did what Saracens do in the yeah. in the second half, and and I think that it's it, Saracens have this. It matter however you want to play against them, they have this way to make you look limited. Yeah. So they made kind of Leinster look a bit limited towards the end, and they made Sexton look quite limited in that game. And then if you go back to the Glasgow game. They made Glasgow look very limited while whilst hammering them. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I suppose it's, it's, it's strange that you watch that Glasgow game last week and what they did to Ulster and you think, does that tell me how brilliant Saracens are, that they could do what they did to that to that Glasgow team? Mm. Or is it simply that they just, you know, they both Glasgow and Saracens on that on, on their respective days just had really good days? Yeah, I think I think Glasgow's good days tend to happen on different sorts of days, if you know what I mean. Yeah. What Glasgow are really searching for is having a good day when they're taking a battering, like the sort of battering that Saracens had given them, and presumably Leinster are probably going to try and give them on on uh, on Saturday. So this could physical be battering, the, you mean, rather than yeah, scoreboard physical battering. physical battering. Yeah, this could be the, the perfect opportunity. I mean, we know Glasgow can score tries, but when they're shut down, you know, can they can they punch a route through the middle to get that momentum that they need so badly to, to score those tries. Um because they're you know they're perfectly capable of looking looking quite ordinary if they're if they're kind of shut down. Yeah and, and that physical battery thing is interesting to me because one of the things I was thinking about before it came on was was the front rows actually of, of all things. We talked about sort of the, the Glasgow front row and the Scottish front row being be- being better than it was. If you the Leinster front row have this kind of all they've got Keen Healy Cronin, this kind of pacey guy, puts cuts lovely angles, and, and Furlong, who's a kind of, well, I don't know, he's like he's like an inside centre in a in yeah. a very large man's body, isn't he? But um, and Munster, to be honest, for a, a number of certainly the first half last week, got really got the better of that Leinster scrum. Yeah. So I've been interested to see how that goes because if you think if you start trying to fight them, if you start trying to fight them in the Van der Fleer Fardy sort of. Area, mm. you, Glasgow aren't going to come off too well, I don't think. No. If you can get if you can get at them in the set piece because their front their their, their uh, lineout wasn't too good in the first half last week either. And neither was Ulster's actually. Mm. Uh, so Glasgow obviously disrupted that a bit. I mean, I think some of it was to Rory Best throwing as well. But so I mean, I, I think that thing about physical battering, I think focusing on the tight five and a set piece for Glasgow might be something yeah. that's worth worth going for, then unleashing some of that stuff a bit later on, which I suppose is the oldest story and tactic in rugby, isn't it? But Yeah, I mean, but, it's, in, it's interesting. Glasgow have actually got, they've got two forwards coaches at the moment as well because they've signed... Um, I hope they don't John. give different advice. Yeah, you'd hope you'd hope not. I mean, I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure how... They've signed John, John DL, uh, this, the sevens coach, as their forwards coach for next season, but he was joining with immediate effect for the last two games. But um, Humphreys is still there for the last two games as well, as far as I, as far as I know. Before I think he's joining the the Wales setup. Um, hmm. So yeah, yeah, it'd be, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if that's you know if that's had a had a, a positive benefit on the. I mean, pretty sure uh, DL was a lock when he played, so he should you know and should know his way around a lineup. Interesting to see. Um, Centre partnerships. We've already mentioned Stain, yeah. who's kind of come out of nowhere to be this sort of dazzling player. Johnson, who's again probably similar story, really. Has Johnson has come out of nowhere 
Has Johnson come out of nowhere as much to you as it has to everybody else, you being a man who's quite close to Scottish rugby? Um, not, I mean, certainly not for the, the, the Glasgow fans rated him probably probably season before last, um, certainly for kind of the neutrals amongst us. Obviously, he burst onto the scene with the... Uh, with the you know his with his caps in the in the Six Nations and um, his you know his first games for Scotland yeah but um, yeah he he he'd had a long injury layoff so I think he was just sort of starting to look quite impressive and the, everyone was like oh this guy could be quite good um, and then obviously he was you know he was laid off and Nick Grigg kind of appeared on the scene and um, so yeah I think uh, I think he's he's not. Quite as uh, quite as a flash of the pan as he might appear to the to the kind of to the yeah. world outside, but I mean, it certainly it's been pretty pretty quick as a kind of if you read the um, there's a few good kind of interviews around with him, you read them and you know he's talking about he's coming over to come over to Scotland, pretty much plucked from um, kind of Australian club rugby, um, and kind of just offer, offered a offered a pro contract and, and over he comes but you know didn't really know what he was doing there wasn't really um wasn't really um sure what to make of it all didn't took a while to fit in i mm. think which is is possibly something that happens with uh with players from sunnier climbs who come to live in live in scotland i think it's um i'm surprised at how little recognition is given so how difficult it can be yeah, you know, and I don't mean some of these sunnier climbs. Just uprooting your yeah. whole life and going somewhere else for a job, you know, and you're yeah. expected then to hit the ground running in the first Especially, two months. Yeah. I mean, it happens sometimes, but the the way that people are surprised when it doesn't it still quite puzzles me, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, look at Bill Matter for Edinburgh. He took he took a long time to to settle in. The stories about him not really knowing where Edinburgh was are, are quite you know quite famous. He thought it was just near it was just outside London. Um, <laughs> I suppose when you're you in know, middle, you live in the middle of the Pacific. Everything seems, you know, yeah, miles away. <laughs> it probably is just outside London to him, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it must be, it must be hard for these for these guys. But uh, yeah, Johnson's, um, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's deserved deserved of it. Um, we've we've seen, you know, the way he, the way he cuts a line is quite good. Greg's probably the best kind of angle runner that Glasgow have got, but Johnson's pretty handy. But he's just he's one of these guys that's quite powerful but he also kind of has he has that time on the ball um nice finisher that time yeah. gives him a way to finish quite well doesn't yeah. it yeah well? yeah i mean he's he's like greg he's quite hard i don't know if they they have some drill in glasgow where they practice i don't know keeping your legs apart so you can't get can't be brought to ground but people seem you know johnson's not a huge guy and greg's certainly not a huge guy but people seem to have a hard time knocking them over and that's against henshaw ringrose of course uh yeah, Ringrose has had a very—he's had a mixed bag the past couple of months. Really, makes some strange decisions at times, and then, but then always has that ability to look classy. Yeah, which makes people forget the fact that sometimes he makes the aforementioned terrible decisions, like spurning a four-on-one overlap in the Champions Cup final, for example. Yeah, yeah, I saw we clip of that. Um, yeah, well, we're just gonna—we'll just hope that 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 form continues. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Henshaw's as solid as he's ever been. Really, very good over the ball. That's what you've got to look out for with him, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was quite... Uh, Ireland have got a lot of good centres at the moment. I mean, like Stuart McCloskey, uh, mm. uh, he, he's a guy that I re- really thought was was quite good. I was a little disappointed he didn't have as, as good a game against Glasgow last week as, as I was hoping, but yeah, I wasn't that disappointed. But um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, I'd, I think... Uh, He's, they've got some. They've got some great, great players in that squad too. Could be, could be interesting centre matchups in uh, September. Whoever you know, whoever ends up making the trip to Japan. How do you see this game going? Um, I think I'm going to go with home home advantage for for Glasgow. Um, I think it'll be it'll be one of those funny ones you'll probably know in the first ten minutes. Um. I, w- I would say. Why do you say that? Minutes. Is it because if you think if it goes Lens's way in the first ten minutes, Glasgow will lose their belief, or and vice versa? Uh, just, I think. It's, well, I mean, we saw because I think like, it, I think both teams will score a lot of points. You see, that's why I think yeah. it's, it's it's difficult to know in the first ten. Cause the, I, think, I think there will be points that keep getting scored. Yeah, I think. Or my yeah okay maybe maybe you won't you won't know who's going to win in the first ten minutes, but you might know if you 
going to be able to know who's going to win in the first game. You'll be able to tell what kind of game it is. <laughs> that does actually make sense I mean, to me. Yeah, I know what you somebody mean. will probably somebody will probably score a try really early doors, um, and it could be Glasgow, but that didn't do them any good against Saracens, um, and it could be Leinster, and then it'll maybe settle down. And by that point, you'll probably see what sort of what sort of game it's going to be. Um, this I mean, Leinster team is very beatable. Saracens yeah. are just not beatable. When yeah. they've got the and first I mean, team out with all their experience now, I just don't think they're beatable at the minute. I'm probably going to eat my words, aren't I, when they play Gloucester at the weekend? But yeah, because um, uh, if any team can do something mad, it'd be Gloucester. But generally speaking, I think that's the thing. I think no matter what you do against Saracens, they always find the answer. But I think this Leinster team right now are beatable. Yeah, I think if um, Munster could have converted some of their possession into points in that first half, it'd have been a very different game. Yeah, I think uh, I think I definitely agree with that. Um, there's there's nothing really for them to fear. Um, they might, I hope they don't get too overwhelmed by the look, the occasion because obviously for some of these guys, I mean, Stain was saying the biggest crowd he's ever played in front of was 20,000 in a, like a, a university game in South Africa. Um, Not a bad crowd is, though, it, is it? Yeah, it's just I used to play against uh, 11 people, half of whom were subs when I was playing yeah. for my university. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that would be... Uh, that would be an occasion for for some of them, but you'd hope that the guys with international experience are not going to be overawed by that. Hoggy's last game in the Glasgow shirt, obviously it'd be good to give him a better send-off than Ulster gave to Rory Best. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think the I think the home the home crowd should should be a, be a, a bit of an advantage because I mean the Scotsman crowd are they're you know they are a bit mental, but they do that noise does drive those players on, you know, they're, mm. they're quite close to, because that crowd, that group of fans has kind of grown at the same time as the team. Um, there is that kind of quite a close relationship. And I think that having a, you know, a, a, a close stadium where they're right on top of them. Um, I think that will, I think that will help. My worry I think would be for Glasgow is, you know, where big crowds and big occasions can make people tighten up. Yeah, I think big crowds and big occasions make Adam Hastings go even more mad. <laughs> yeah, and I, and um, I think and, and and it's really hard to know how that's going to go. Yeah, I think it I know, could either be the best thing ever, or it could be please stop trying all that stuff you're trying. Yeah, yeah. Just for five I, I, minutes, have a have a little think. Have a think. And I, but I, what's, I, what's Johnny Sexton's doing? Yeah, he has. He's that kind of player that wants. It's almost like he's on a, a negative feedback loop. You know, it just keeps getting worse the more he tries. Yeah, I mean, you know, Finn, Finn Russell is, is a similar kind of similar kind of player, um, and it's just learning. It's learning to to harness that and then cope. You know, do still still have that maverick streak, but just not all the time. I'm going Glasgow by five. Yeah, I, I'd say that that was about right. I've got one last round of Super Brew picks to do, so right. something like that will do do for me. I think. Well, there you go. Then, well, best of luck to both teams, but only actually to Glasgow. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, should we do Where's Doogie Donnelly? Where we ask people if they spotted any players out there and stuff like that. We've not had any this week, have we? Uh, we've had one from oh, aforementioned one. John Anderson, um, who was obviously supposed to be here tonight. Um, Boo. He spotted Rory Jackson at a beer festival in Helensborough. Um, Jacko was somewhat disingenuous. He was selling his own brand of gin, um, which is definitely not suitable for drinking in pints. <laughs> But, uh, Depends who you ask, but yeah, John, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, John. Uh, John got a photo of himself, which I think Cammy is going to put up on the site. Um, he was in the act of attempting to blag a bottle for review in our stash corner, um, but he was unsuccessful in that mission. So I'm not really sure if that means I should give Jackson's brand of gin a plug. Um, but if you Google Garden Shed Drinks Company, you'll you'll find out he set that up with uh, Ryan Grant, the former Scotland and Lions prop. But it's, well, it's, it. ni- it's nice to see rugby players who are not just setting up a coffee business. It's nice to branch yeah. out and things like coffee. gin and cannabis yeah, Ma- oil. Some of them are doing as well now. Oh, it's, really? it's, it's all yeah. it's all expanded. Murray Lowe has gone to property. He's he's standard. Yeah, standard property. Has he got Cal- Nigel Ray to invest in a company for him, all completely above board? Possibly because Nigel um, Ray just loves business. You see, it's not because he yeah. does it only for Saracens players for different reasons. Uh, I'm not sure what Kyle Trainer is up to. Um, think maybe the city tim visser he's bound to be going into the city of course he's going into this. he's got he's got city written he's got the, the most city face you've ever seen tim visser. he's already he's already got uh in fact i don't know if he's involved in the shirts anymore he used to have a a, a shirt company making making bespoke sh- bespoke shirts two-tone shirts for the city yeah that sort of thing uh 
I, I, I'm on, so I'll do a spot. I, I was going back to my childhood. I was, at, I was at Wembley in 1989 when Wigan played St. Ellen's in the Challenge Cup final. And I remember forget seeing Jonathan Jiffy Davis running, sprinting around the side of the stadium in a full suit and trench coat. To this day, I still wonder what it was he was running either from or towards. Would that have been, would that have been during his playing days? Or he, would have been, he would have been a pundit for that game. Uh, yeah, but, but it, he was involved. still very, very much playing yeah, in 1989. Yeah, he was probably running from some form of bar to some form of interview. I would think. Yes, I would think <laughs> he wasn't playing that day, but he was. Uh, he was probably. Yeah. Either way, even in a, even in a suit and a trench coat, he looked pretty rapid to my 13 year old eyes. We finish uh, to now with hands in the rock. Yeah. So uh, this is the usual kind of any other business. Um, and things that have annoyed, irritated, or sometimes, sometimes Cami has positive things as well. I'm not, <laughs> I think the rules are the rules are fairly loose. Just um, whatever you fancy wanging our way, and we'll read it. Yes, out uh, someone got in touch with Twitter, but I've lost the tweet, so I can't say who it was. But they got in touch to say, and in fact, quite a few people got in touch to say that Leo Cullen shouldn't really be suggesting that most of the Glasgow team are Rangers fans, and that they would be. Um, it's the fact and that he suffixed it with "so I'm told." Yeah, by who um, exactly, Leo? Who do you know that's telling you this about Glasgow players? I don't know. Maybe he has coffee with Dan McFarland or something. It's just absolute nonsense. It's just, and he, yeah. he said it twice, didn't he? he yeah, did it in a press conference he's, and in an interview. He's doubled down. It's so um, bizarre. Yeah, so uh, fairly un- fairly unhelpful. But um, I think Hoggy certainly is a Hibs fan. Um, there can we find some evidence of that? <laughs> Um, I think, yeah, there are a few. I mean, I think Donkey Weir had a trial for one of the teams, um, but I'm not sure it was. Not sure it was. Uh, it was Rangers. What so, position Donkey Weir was? I have him as a kind of slightly tough, but not that pacey fullback. Yeah, in the I, football. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some uh, some old programs online somewhere <laughs> where you can find out. But uh, yeah, so that that was uh, yeah that wasn't very helpful. But most of it has been kind of brushed off. I think the only the only um, possible influence the old firm could have on this game is the fact that Celtic and Hearts are playing the Scottish Cup final. I believe it's the Scottish Cup final. Um, the, the same day, also in Glasgow at Hampden Park at about half uh, past one, half past two. Can you imagine being a police guy rotated on for this day? Yeah, and there's, <laughs> there is apparently the possibility that should they win, they'll want to do a parade back to their home ground <laughs> after the game, which would land them... Probably just around kickoff or maybe half time um, at, at Celtic Park, only to find they'd be like the three, um, three little bears that come home and find Goldilocks <laughs> tried their porridge. This stadium um, is just right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cammy, well, I'm assuming he sent this from it from the inside that eco bubble swimming pool thing yeah. that they have at Centre Parks, but Cammy has sent in the following. He says, Rory Lawson is his hands in the rock. He says, I've been very impressed with him as a commentator this season, but opening a match commentary by saying there's only eight sleeps until the final is unforgivable. <laughs> You're right, Cammy. The kind of people who say things like that, I bet he's probably got one of those, this house is powered by Prosecco and love on his uh, wall at home. In a, like in a, a sort of heart-shaped bit of oh. um, slate or something. Yeah, I'm starting to feel a bit ill just talking about it. But while... <laughs> I, when I was watching the game, the Glasgow game, I couldn't help but note, did you hear Rory Lawson get a little bit too overexcited at Stange's try? I did. Listen to this. Here's Kyle Steen. Kyle Steen and Billy Burns covering. Back inside to Wilson. Back inside to Kyle Steen. <laughs> <laughs> Back inside to... <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's lost, his, lost his voice a bit there. Yes, very, very funny. Uh, what else have we got, hands in the ruck-wise? Um, uh, my hands in the ruck this week is the fact that Fiji don't have enough money to pay a defence coach, which apparently they announced their um, their World Cup sort of wider training squad this week. There's actually quite a few Edinburgh Glasgow players in it. Um, Nico Matawalu's made it. Bill Matas did it. Um, Nakarawa, obviously, who we still claim is one of our own. <laughs> Um, and a couple of guys, Aroni um, Sao, who's signed for Edinburgh next year. They're all in the squad. But yeah, apparently their um, defence coach, who is also the Queensland Reds defence coach, 
um, announced on Twitter that he'd been basically they had a they had a World Cup budget, which I'm assuming they get given by probably World Rugby, um, partially at least, and they didn't want to go over budget, so they've had to um, they've had to get rid of their defence coach and someone else in the in the coaching team is going to pick up the slack, which is probably not great news, you know, just as you're starting to ramp up your World Cup preparations. Um, you'd think that they would maybe just not have spent spent their budget. <laughs> I wonder what they spent it on. That's the interesting yeah. thing. Well, all, was, all the budget there... is so small, you have a head coach, you pay your players, that's the end of it, you've got no money left. Yeah, I mean, they, they had, the, I guess the problem is their, their, their squad are spread all over. Um, yeah. They did, I think they had a training squad in France, um, so that may have been an expense to fly Maybe out. every nation that has a Fijian playing for their national team has to give half of the equivalent of the match fee or tournament fee back to Fiji. They can afford a defence coach yeah. then. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'd be behind that. So, yeah, that's that's what's mildly ticked me off this week. But other other than that, you know, Glasgow in the final, what, what's not to like? Uh, well, Cammy's been ticked off this week, he tells me, because um, is that none of Berwick's tries from the Shield final <laughs> are on the SRU's try of the month, but one of the Greenock ones is... One of Berwick's tries was a glorious chip and chase on their number eight, and another was a length of the field interception where the Berwick player blew a kiss after he intercepted. It's a shocking <laughs> oversight from the SRU. And I don't, I don't have the inside track on this, but is there a kind of SRU bias against Berwick thing going on here? I think, well, possibly there might just be a Cami bias towards Berwick thing. I didn't, right. I didn't see any of the tries, but I did, I did hear that some of them were, were quite marvellous, but I, I haven't seen the, the shortlist, so I, I couldn't couldn't judge for myself but uh, yes I've I definitely think, not seen the shortlist if you haven't think, I've got no chance listeners yeah I think uh, I think any uh, any decision going against Berwick would, would get Cammy's hackles up to be honest <laughs> hey great achievement for them this year though wasn't it, it was, that was a yeah. ridiculous call. I'm sure you've talked about it on here but I'll just say I was aware of how ridiculous a comeback that result was yeah I think he yeah, he, he devoted most of a podcast episode yeah. <laughs> whether you wanted him to or not yeah. <laughs> get pinging a direct message to him please move on please move on and that I think brings us to the end unless there's anything else Rory yeah no I think that, that that about covers it I have no more notes left thank you very much for putting up listeners and Rory with this Python-esque uh, presentation of this show no, thank, as I tried to feel my way through it as best I could thank uh, you for guest hosting normal service is resumed next week when Cammy comes back trying to make some money because he spent it all on centre parks um, yeah. good luck to Glasgow at the weekend and Leinster I suppose but more good luck to Glasgow and I'm sure the pod will be back are you, are you planning to be back next week for a review of the yeah, game? yeah I'd imagine we'll, we'll be back next week don't forget you can uh, get in touch with us through the website scottishrugbyblog.co.uk uh, check the social media which is facebook forward slash Scott, Scottish Rugby Blog, I think. We're not really sure about Facebook. Um, Twitter, Scott Rugby Blog, or you can hit up Cami Black at Cami Black. And, uh, yep, yeah, uh, we'll we'll try and find that picture of John bugging Rudy Jackson for a bottle of gin and put that on the, <laughs> put that on the website. And if you want to get in touch with me and tell me never to do this again, I'm at Blood and Mud on Twitter if anybody's interested. Yeah. Thank you very be, much, everyone, and thank you, Rory, and take care and yeah. goodbye. Good night.